Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith. Hello. He's the executive director of Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Monty. The Reverend Ron Sitlau. He is the lead pastor of Calvary Church in Orland Park. He's been married to his lovely wife, Amy. For 16 years, they have four sons. Pastor, 20 years ago, your life was far different from what it is today. Far different, yes. Uh, You're a new person. Explain. I grew up in Southern California, and I grew up in a Christian home and church. But from very early on, I uh, uh, dealt with pornography and sexual addiction and was sexually abused when I was uh, early in high school. And from that moment, I began to really struggle with same-sex attraction and who I was sexually. And I was a drug addict during that time, and I had a lot of uh, sexual encounters and just a very broken life. What was your drug of choice? Just curious. Crystal meth. No kidding. Yeah. But the hard you, stuff. Did yeah. you start with crystal meth or did you start with marijuana what? Alcohol. Uh, alcohol. Yeah. Started with alcohol, uh, alcohol and marijuana, and then crystal meth very um, very soon after that. Mm. Did you advance to cocaine, heroin, anything else? Uh, cocaine, but I like crystal meth better. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you started, uh, your tailspin kind of started with pornography. Yeah. Uh, how did you come by that? In Southern California, there were liquor stores in every corner, and I could go, and they'd sell it to me. Really? Yeah. No, didn't care what age you were. No, not at all. Yeah. You know, uh, my first experience with pornography was uh, actually on the railroad tracks. Oh, wow. Ripped up pornography magazine right, along right. the road. and Somebody feeling bad for a moment. Uh, right. 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 <laughs> or, or just thrown out. Or, you know, it was a snare from the right. devil. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. pull you in. Yeah. yeah. And who were you abused by? Uh, a family friend. Family friend. Yeah. Well, uh, you lived a homosexual lifestyle for yep. several years. Yep. When did it, the transformation begin? Yeah. I, uh, I always knew of Jesus, and I even think I was saved. And there were moments in my darkness where things would fall apart and I would cry out. And there was this mercy that I would experience. And I had a few friends who were godly people. Uh, one of them, Charlie Contreras, who's a pastor at Faith Church, who just kind of stood there and as an invitation into the kingdom. And at the very end, uh, the drug use was very heavy. Um, I would go a long, long time without sleeping. Uh, the activity got more debased and dark. And uh, I began to really lose my mind. and in a real, real sense. Depressed. Yeah, depressed, uh, not being able to differentiate between reality and what was happening on my drug haze. Oh, boy. And uh, I remember the night. It was in June of 1997. Uh, the Lord encountered me, and it was very clear. Uh, you choose mm. where you're going. Uh, you choose life or you choose death. And I knew it was true. And I just began to weep. And it was the first time my conscience had ever been awoken. Mm. And uh, within uh, about a week, I uh, 
because from that moment on, I never used illegal drugs. No kidding. Yeah. Cold turkey. Right. I mean, I had tried to get sober before. Yeah. But never had success. I could go three weeks, two weeks, but never where it took. And in that moment, you know, I've had twice in my life where the Lord has intervened. And I, I don't know how to explain it except if God wants something to move, he's more than capable of moving it. <laughs> and that's how I felt. I mean, I had to respond. and yes, right. I had to obey. But he made a way. And the first thing that got cleared up was the drugs and alcohol. So you had clear thinking. Clear thinking. And it took a while. It took uh, – I was not pleasant to be around. I was very, you know – and how old were you at that time? Would you I say? was 21. 21. So 21. Can you believe it? How yeah. long did it take you to come out of homosexuality? Well, the activity ended right away. So interpersonal relationships. But the same-sex attraction was still there. Same-sex attraction was still there. Yeah. And pornography lasted for another couple of years after that. And But what did happen was it was like waking up. That's how I explain salvation. You slowly but surely wake up, and uh, what you saw as you know the energy for sex or for drugs, uh, you begin to see it in a different way. As oh my gosh, I'm in need of Jesus here, and the thing that I thought would do it has not done it, mm-hmm. and and that began a process for me for about five years of looking at why was I attracted to men? What's there? What is it? And I didn't. I never thought about sexuality the way it's thought of now. You know, it's very militant. If you have a gay feeling, you're gay, and you yeah. know, if you have one at five, then it's over for your life. I just never. I never thought that way, though. I went to a very liberal college and knew very, you know, kind of seemingly successful gay people. Um, I just thought if I wanted to get married, I could. If I wanted to marry a woman, I just. I just thought it. It was within my realm to decide. Hmm. And I think that thing, wherever that came from, which is a very good thing, that, you know, your emotions or feelings or desires are not the driver of who you become. Mm. It's what you decide to do. Amen. And uh, some things had to be healed and restored. And But at the end of the day, uh, what began to happen was I knew I wanted a family and I knew I wanted a wife. And uh, it just never, I just knew it. I knew it as as clear as I know when it's sunny or cloudy. So it sounds like you didn't believe you were born that way. No, I don't. I don't believe that. It's no one. I mean, the truth is, is that. Did you believe it, was, it then, though? No, you 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 believe it was a matter of choice. No, well, I would. It's complicated, right? It's complex. <laughs> it's not choice in the sense of uh, vanilla right, or chocolate. I, right, right, right. Uh, it it it's a complicated reality of probably a mixture of uh, physiological inclinations along with uh, life experience yeah. and all those things and the community in which you grow up in. Nurture. And, yeah. Nurture. Yep. And, uh, yeah. I have a, a good friend who lived as a lesbian for 19 years. She's now uh, serving Jesus. Yeah. And she's asked this question a lot. Were you born that way or do you think, it, you know, it was fluid? And she said it doesn't matter. And people, what do you mean it doesn't matter? She says you, we all got to be born again. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> it doesn't it. matter. Yeah. Now, you, you've said that you had uh, two experiences where you got a clear message from God. Yeah. You mentioned one. What was the other? The second one was about three years ago. Mm. And uh, 
I had been at this the church I'm now the senior pastor at for uh, about three years. And, you know, we were doing a lot of changes. It was a great church, 130 years old, but it was growing grayer and older. And my work, what I was brought to do was to uh, give the church away to the next generation. And uh, that's all great and good. And then you do it, and it's it's hard work to do. And uh, we did it, but it was I was very drained for a variety of reasons. One of them is that uh, I had forgotten my first love. And so... Ooh. Uh, I had this really, I remember it's just, you know, I wake up one day and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And uh, I, I'm a very slow processor. So uh, it's, it's as if the months before I had been in the depths of my heart trying to figure something out. And I realized I don't like the life I'm living. I don't, I'm not happy. I'm not joyful to be around. And it was in that place. The church was very gracious to me and said, hey, take some time. We want, we want you. We want you to stay. And I took that summer, and very early on, uh, it was the same kind of thing, where the Lord just came close. And, you know, I find it very beautiful the way the Lord reveals sin. Uh, I've never experienced it when he does it where I go, oh, no, you're wrong. <laughs> it's He gets me in this place where I go, oh, my gosh, there's a better way. Mm. I have been, you know, eating the trash when there is something of— You've been in the pig trough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in that place, the Lord gave me a new rhythm of life and uh, reoriented some things that have been very life-giving and still there. Amen. Yeah. And this, a lot of this is in your book, right? Yeah, for sure. So you've got two books. Yep. Tell us about the books. Uh, Compassion Without Compromise is the first book. I wrote it with Adam Barr, a pastor in Michigan. And that book is really for anyone who is interacting with the gay community and uh, wants to know how to do it in a God-honoring way. Or people who maybe you have a son or daughter who comes home on Christmas and says, you know what? I think I'm gay. Hmm. What do you do? How do you do it in such a way? How that, do you respond to How that? do you respond? And then the second book is really for people who struggle with same-sex attraction. And so The title of that book? Uh, Hope for the Same-Sex Attracted. Okay. And it's just a pastoral letter. It's, it's about how does it work? How do you navigate and... Uh, pastor this part of yourself so that it honors the Lord. And so it looks at singleness and marriage and how does God touch our sexuality? Can he do such things? And what does it look like? Mm. Kind of practical. And these books are on Amazon, Amazon? available? Yep. Anywhere else, you know? Uh, anywhere. They're uh, Bethany House. So Okay. And you write a blog. I write a blog. Where can they find that? My blog is at ronsitlau.com so c-i-r-o-n-c-i-t-l-a-u.com sitlau sitlau not okay. sit low <laughs> I, I was say, saying sit low for a while so people say all kinds of things <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk some more with pastor sitlau in just a few moments and we'll get into some other topics cultural maybe issues cultural issues uh, legislation out there what have you this is illinois family spotlight we'll continue after this
Two denominations or two religions? For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. For years, the United Methodist Church, America's second largest Protestant denomination, has wrangled over gay marriage and abortion. Liberals favored redefining sexual ethics, while conservatives, especially those from overseas, have opposed it. This week, the two sides decided to split, with traditional Methodists forming their own new body. Describing this as a split is not strictly accurate, however. In his book Christianity and Liberalism, early 20th century Presbyterian theologian Jay Gresson Machen argued that theological liberals, who in his day were denying core doctrines about Christ, weren't just Christians with new views, but members of a new religion altogether. Denominations that celebrate sexual sin and killing the unborn as a right are denying core doctrines about humanity. Theirs is also a different religion. For those Methodists faithful to Christian truth, this is a tough day. Not just because the church is split, it's tough because so many within that church have chosen to abandon the faith. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here along with David Smith, the Yellow. executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and we are joined by the Reverend Ron Sitlow, the lead pastor of Calvary Church at Orland Park. He's a fellow who's had a interesting life, uh, came out of homosexuality, drug addiction, pornography, and now he's living for Jesus Christ. And uh, Married, four boys. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you're the All-American family. Gracious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you still struggle with homosexuality? Uh, I would say that I have whispers so i can't uh, remember the last time in which i looked at a person and had attraction but it's the same as with my alcoholism um, i don't ever think about drinking but i know that there might be certain situations or life stressors in which uh, yeah. that would be a, a a place in which unguarded could be a problem for me yeah makes sense you have to be careful yeah for sure okay are you familiar with stephen bennett I'm not. Stephen Bennett has ministry. He was uh, uh, also a homosexual, and he said it took him, I don't know, he was already married and uh, before he conquered 20 years before he conquered any same-sex attraction at right. all. So, I mean, he was no longer practicing, but he still had those desires. And so, I mean, just just like the rest of us, um, you know, uh, who... who um, red-blooded males right you know sex is very yeah. uh, is a driving influence in our lives and so whether whoever you're attracted to even if you're married like me 25 years yeah. i'm sorry pretty women still get my attention right <laughs> you right know? so uh and and you have to fight any inclination you know it's right. what paul says is you know take every thought captive right? right so and this is where actually one of the biggest deceptions is going around this idea of change and when I or others speak about that, we're not talking about the elimination of all desire and inclinations. When we talk about change in the gospel, we're talking about the ability to move towards goodness. Yes. To have the energies of heaven on our behalf to choose what is good and right and noble. And to walk in the spirit right. and not the flesh. But exactly. the LGBT left tells us yeah. what they're doing is right and good. Right, they do. And that's Romans 1, right? Good will be called evil, evil will be called good, uh, boys will be called girls, and girls will be called right, boys, right? right. And, and that leads into, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about this uh, with you this afternoon is, you know, this in Springfield, they're passing legislation that is uh, tending to corrupt 
and mislead our youth, especially right. mislead the public in general. But what we're really gets really under my skin and gets me angry. You know, a couple of years ago, they passed a bill that's going to mandate sex education in grades six through 12. And in a state that you cannot discriminate against LGBT, that includes the how-tos of right. homosexual right. sex. Now we have a bill that's going to go into effect in July of 2020 uh, that requires LGBT history to be taught. And if, you if you're going to graduate, you have to show profici proficiency on this. So there's what? no real opt-out for parents who object to this. That's right. Right. Well, there. You know, I love uh, Jordan Peterson. Yes. Who uh, talks about you know when they do it when they start talking what really is insanity, it is we are in a plane flying upside down and we're calling it right side up <laughs> and we're going towards the ground at a million miles an hour and the pilot says everything's fine. Uh, uh, Jordan Peterson says, "Have your kids get up and leave the room." And what's happening in, in the moment to come, uh, in some ways it's quite beautiful because it's in these moments you have to decide what you really believe. And, you know, when you start talking about, you know, the gay community and gays and lesbians, that's one thing and we ought to have those kinds of conversations. But then you have the whole changing of genders and, you know, pronouns. And, and now we have transgenders going into bathrooms and locker rooms right. with our high school kids. I mean, right. are you kidding me? It's insane. It's insanity. And so, you know, with my boys who are all in public schools and uh, they are they get, uh, you know, exposed to things that I was never exposed to at their age. Sure. And, uh, you know, I've been around in the world and I at least, you know, I didn't know things until I was much older. And um, what we have told our boys and what we talk about is that uh, we ought to respect everybody. Yeah. We ought to be kind. Yep. But you, you have a right fundamentally to say what you think. And the idea that someone can be a boy one day, a girl another, and you have to change what you call them and their pronouns and everyone has to walk on eggshells, uh, that's insanity. And it's, uh, we're, we're like, we're blessing some kind of narcissism instead of saying, wow, this is really not great and we need to have pity. So what would you as a pastor recommend to the parents in your church, the grandparents in your church, about how to deprogram and safeguard children in government schools? Yeah. Students, yeah. Students, I think we have to become very fluent in our language of what the body is. Uh, you know, the theologians call it a theology of the body or anthropology. And so we have to be able to talk about sex. We have to be able to talk about body parts. We have to be able to talk about gender. And we have to, uh, in a very systematic way, share the story that Christianity and Judaism has given us. And if we do not do that, our kids will just learn another story. They need to know a biblical view right. of what God says. Exactly. His gift of sex is for. Yep. Right? Yep. And everything outside of that is sin. Exactly. Yeah. The culture tells us one thing, the Bible says another in but, some cases. Yeah. yeah. But but Pastor Ron, that's hateful. What do you say to people who use those ad hominems to disqualify you? Well or to t attempt to disqualify you. We uh it's so interesting now in any public space in which, you know, people from opposing worldviews are having a conversation, 
when you say something like, it's insanity that someone could pretend to be another gender and that we'd all celebrate and couldn't say a thing about it, uh, then you're called hateful. Well, it's just an opinion. We have never lived in at least Western culture in which you could share an opinion and just be shut down because of words spoken out of a mouth. Right. Uh, all the great thinkers uh, have said, no, bring me your best argument and let's see who wins in the public square. And so I just, I, I intentionally dismiss the accusation because it has no grounds in rationality. It doesn't. Right. But now, that's, if I'm mean, if I well, say yeah. mean things, and I ought not to do that, but if I'm just sh- trying to find out what is true, then anyone of good conscience should be on that journey with me. Do you have people who identify as gay in your congregation? We have uh, couples who visit, who are come, and you know they'll bring their kids. Uh, we have members who would identify as dealing with same-sex attraction, but do we have openly gay people as members or leaders? No. You know, Pastor Doug Wilson, and just real quick throw this in, I love his take on this. He says, we welcome refugees of the world, you know, those who are looking for truth. We reject apostles of the world. If you're coming in to teach us these are the new things, the new way that we're... No, sorry. Right. But if, if you're looking for hope and healing, yep. you know, welcome, come on in, you know. Yep. When, you, when you counsel people on this uh, topic uh, in your office, are, are you a little kind of on edge because of the state law that says mm. so-called conversion therapy is illegal in the well, state of Illinois? Let me clarify that. The, the, the courts did say it doesn't apply to pastors. However, right. however, we can see a day in the future mm-hmm. where they're going to say, no, this, you know, pass a new law and say, no, we're going to apply this to the pastors, too. Uh, you cannot counsel a young person who has unwanted same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria um, because it's, it's just wrong. You shouldn't right. do this. You well, shouldn't help them. Conversion therapy is a very specific thing. Yeah. Which is a, uh, it's, it's a kind of counseling that uh, was developed. I'm not trained in that. I'm trained as a pastor of the gospel. Mm. And I just believe fundamental things that uh, homosexual relationships in which involve sexual activity are wrong. Uh, they are part of the list in 1 Corinthians 6 that will lead to the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an ambassador of this gospel that anyone who believes in the man Jesus as Lord will be saved. And that salvation works out in one's life. And my work as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, is to help anyone who wants salvation in every area of their life. Yes. And you, you can't deny me that, right? I mean, you can try, but for me to give that up in any area. So are you saying it's better to obey God than man? I am. <laughs> so hopefully you're not getting me in trouble somehow. <laughs> But you can understand where uh, these licensed professionals, uh, psychiatric folks, are kind of, well, what do I do? Uh, I have a kid here who says, I'm same-sex attracted and I want to get out of this. But these professionals say, well, I can't say anything to you about that. It's very unfortunate. And what what we are setting up is really the the offering of our children to the gods of Baal and Molech, where we're just offering them these young, impressionable people who have no idea what they're feeling or thinking at the age of 13, 14, 15, 20. 
And we're just saying embrace it, do it, run with it. And it's madness. And we will pay a heavy price for it culturally, personally, spiritually. Do you think a lot of pastors don't even want to get into that kind of counseling at all to discuss those issues? They're so scared about oh, sure. the, 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 the pushback they could receive if the LGBT community hears that you're counseling kids that uh, same-sex attraction is wrong. Right. I was talking to a pastor at a very big church uh, nationally, and we were talking about my second book. And he just said, you know, I couldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. No kidding. And uh, I said it wouldn't be good for us. It wouldn't be good, you know, for me. And it would just be a mess. But he agreed with it. He agrees with it. But he couldn't touch it because of the backlash. Because of the backlash. Wow. And I just so sad. What's the danger five years from now, down the road, if Christian churches remain silent on this sexuality, these issues surrounding sexuality? If you do not have a gospel hope for things that people actually deal with, your church is going to die. Really? This this leads into a couple questions that I wanted to ask, Pastor Ron. It, you know, culturally in, in the church, we see the world is having, and this is my opinion, uh, the world is having more of an influence on the church than the church is having on the world. That being said, I do believe that the, ki- the, the kingdom of God is not going to stop advancing. It right. is going to continue to advance, and the gates of hell won't prevail. But at times, you get a little discouraged. For example, uh, you see our Presbyterian brothers and sisters with the Revoice Conference and considering um, you know, ordaining same-sex attracted but celibate people. I find that very troubling. Then the Southern Baptists are letting Southern um, social justice ideology into their, their convention. Um, I know the Lord is sifting his church, but it seems to me that um, the, the world's influences are getting in, and these things are not aligned with Scripture. Right. I would have for, bo- for Revoice, uh, which I'm more familiar with and know some of the guys and women there, I would say they're very thoughtful, smart people sure. who are seeking to give an answer, and they don't like the old answers. And so uh, they have done some things that are, are problematic. For example, uh, the real issue with Revoice is that they want to make same-sex attraction somehow a blessing in and of itself. Yes. And that's a primary issue, that now you're, you're on a different field. And uh, they want to move away in a as a as a conversation that someone who follows Jesus who deals with same-sex attraction could be married and to remove to change the one and to remove the other are big moves and they're doing it for specific reasons and I think it's unfortunate they are brothers and sisters yeah and uh, I uh, I love Wesley Hill I love uh, Greg Collins but I think they're wrong and uh, I don't think they get to where they want to go but we need to pray for them um, because we were to identify, Scripture says we identify with Christ, and that's right, it. Right. We don't identify by our sexual orientation, attractions. Right. I mean, would we actually have someone who says, "Well, I'm a uh, adulterous uh, Christian, but I don't, I, I don't practice. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm monogamous." Well, we have bought into the whole. <laughs> we've bought into the whole lie. The whole right. idea of right. uh, being gay or straight. Those are not biblical terms. They are Freudian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's born out of uh, Michael Foucault, 
And actually, the only sexual identity in the scriptures is he made them male and he made them female. That's right. So who am I? I'm a man. Who That's am right. I for? I am for a woman. Yes. And that is sexual identity, biblically speaking. And everything else is uh, a secular overlay. And so I'm a big proponent of give up the whole conversation and move back to the scriptural language because there it's clear, it's bright, it's simple, and uh, we know what God's intent is. And, and our standard has to be the word. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And we have to test everything by the word, and including these new ideologies that are infiltrating. And um, that's it. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't have anything else to say on that. They're infiltrating and uh, unfortunately indoctrinating our kids. Yep. Yeah. Um, Let's, let's do a couple rapid-fire things here. Go for it. Uh, Equality Act. Bad <laughs> idea. Horrible idea. Tell us why. Because what it's doing is, is it's, uh, it's punishing conservatives and Christians for their moral beliefs. Yes. And so it is now that they have power, they're looking to beat somebody up. And it's an awful idea, and it will... Uh, People of good conscience will have to stand against it. It's but interesting because Ron has a Twitter account, and what's your email? Uh, your Twitter handle? It's at C I T L A U. My last name. You you uh, responded to Chick Fil A uh, controversy and actually a Glad, which is the gay lesbian anti defamation uh, right. league. Is it? I don't know. Anyway, uh, who said what? What did they say? Uh, they wanted more. They they said that Chick Fil A, if they really wanted to be an advocate and an ally, would have to distance themselves from focus on the family. Right, and this is not enough. So, so they—it's th- not enough. They're going to always enough. want more. You know, they have equality. They do actually under the law. They right. want special rights right. under the law. That's what they want. They want—they want a space in which nothing negative could ever be said, and no one would ever uh, oppose their ideas. Sorry, I'm—I'm I'm, I'm slowing down your rapid fire, Monty. Okay, go ahead. No, no, that's it. Go. Um, you mentioned. Uh, as far as this LGBT history bill, that kids need to get up and just walk out. Well, um, easier said than done. Right. Uh, I actually, you know, for my older kids, I I really put it into, it's up to them. I'm not going to tell them whether they should sit there or not. And I don't really care if X, Y, or Z was gay and they say that. My issue is, is to somehow change the narrative of history where all of a sudden, you know, people who were heroes yesterday are now the villains. That to me is absolutely absurd. It's like George Washington, still a great guy. Abraham Lincoln, still a great Uh, guy. uh, There's one book out there on Abraham Lincoln that suggests, and this is where the log cabin Republicans come from, that he had had a relationship with a man on a very cold night because they slept together for body heat. It's so interesting, (laughs) like Thomas Jefferson and his sexual proclivities and can't we just uh, be able to say, yes, very broken, had many problems, but he wrote the Declaration of Independence. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we're all very broken. And, you know, if everyone knew every sexual thing I've ever done, maybe they wouldn't read my book. Yeah. But my book isn't about how I had sex. It's about Jesus. It's about how you got saved. How Jesus has saved me. Amen. The name of your book? Hope for the Same Sex Attracted and Compassion Without Compromise. Two different books. Okay. Yep. And they're available on Amazon. Yep. Where and, else? And his his blog is ronsitlow.org. And that's dot com. Dot, oh, so, oh, oh, see, I messed up. Ron Sitlow, C-I-T-L-A-U dot com. 
and your Twitter handle is? Is my last name, C-I-T-L-A-U. There you okay, go. Okay, one more question. Your, your college-age kid comes home, says, your views on sexuality are bigoted. How do you respond? Get out of my house. No, I'm <laughs> um, what I would say is, is that I want, my, I want my young adult children, even my high school kids, to be thinkers. And so I would, I would say, okay, let's talk about it. And I've told all my kids, you can believe whatever you think the truth is as long as it's rigorous and you're willing to defend it rationally and to think it through. And so what I would seek to do with my children is not force them to decide what I think, but instead to, uh, to embrace the search for truth, which is another way of saying that at the core of truth is Jesus himself. Yes. And so anyone who actually with an honest conscience searches for the truth, they find Jesus. And that would, is what I'd seek to do. So you're telling your kids to follow 1 Peter 3.15. Be ready for an answer. Be ready for an answer. Yeah. Follow Jesus. Follow, follow Jesus. Jesus. All right. Yeah. There we go. Ron Sitlau. Thank he, you for joining us. Thanks Jesus. for having me. It's an honor. The pastor of Calvary Church in Orland Park. Hey, uh, you'd like folks to stop by your church sometime. We'd love to have you. You can check out our church uh, online at thisiscalvary.org. But but we've got to give a caution. It's Bible-believing we preaching. We believe in the Bible, yes. <laughs> but we love people. Amen. You because love people. God loved us. All right. And you co-wrote uh, Compassion Without Compromise, How to Love Your Gay Friends Without Losing the Truth, and the author of Hope for the Same Sex Attracted. Buy them on Amazon. By the we, way, did, did we tell everyone that he's a Cub fan? Big Cubs fan. Big well, Cub fan. See, I, I won't hold we, that we, against we you. We might <laughs> alienate some of the Southsiders here, but that's okay. <laughs> Jesus and the cross holds us together. All and, right. of course, the Downstaters who are Cardinal fans. That's Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> well, uh, we have an important conference coming up. March 7th, 7th. That's uh, right. kind of in line with what we've been talking That's about. That's right. We have Dr. Michael Brown and Dr. Rob Gagnon coming in to do our Worldview, our 7th Annual Worldview. It'll be held at the Village Church at Barrington on March 7th, so uh, please visit our site if you're interested. IllinoisFamily.org. Yep, it'll Click be events. Uh, 10 to 3, and that's uh, you'll, you'll hear from two of the most uh, um, uh, prolific writers and speakers uh, Christianity knows today. Be there, Aloha. <laughs> what? <laughs> you didn't watch the old Hawaii Five over. No, right? I didn't. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, Ron, hope make, maybe you could make it and uh, maybe yep. be Robert part Gagon of that. Robert Gagon is unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's a friend. And uh, we need folks to uh, support the work of Illinois Family Institute Day. Yeah, we're always looking, especially for monthly supporters. You know, ten, twenty, twenty-five dollars a month is a huge blessing to us. Uh, many hands make light work. And uh, to have that consistent flow, uh, dependable money in our budget, uh, we know what we can do and what we can't. So. All right. Well, listen, thank you, folks, for tuning in. Tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.